In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The collect for today is a powerful one. This last Sunday of Advent, as we prepare immediately for the coming of Christ at Christmas, we call upon God, saying, Stir up your mighty power, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech thee, stir up thy power, and come with great might to help us. We call on the Lord to sweep through the world, to arrive immediately, and to come set everything right. When we ask him, stir up thy mighty power and come to help us, we are asking him, Lord, rush upon the face of the earth and humble all that is proud, defeat all that is evil, and vindicate all that is good. Save us from our sins and bring us into your kingdom. We are asking for what happens at the very end of days. In our gospel, we hear of John the Baptist again, arriving precisely during a certain time, in the time of Herod and of Philip, of Pilate, of Tiberius Caesar, of Annas and Caiaphas, and proclaiming that now is the time. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. John the Baptist gives this same clarion call that we ask for in our collect, in our opening prayer. He says, now is the time that this is fulfilled, when the Lord shall rush upon the face of the earth. He says, turn away from your sins now, because he has arrived. Because every valley is going to be filled, and every high place will be humbled. Not just brought low, but we're told that they will be humbled, that they will be made dust, they will be made dirt. All crooked things shall be made straight, all rough things shall be made plain. In a spiritual sense, everything that is humble will be exalted, and everything that is already proud will be brought to nothing. That the Lord is here to bring about this moment of perfect justification and righteousness. Powerful, powerful thing to hear. And when we hear this, our hearts should catch fire a little bit. Not just a little bit, they should burn totally, longing for that day to come about, longing for the Lord to set everything right the way our nature knows it should be. A commentator, uh, commentator on the gospel by the name of Erasmo Leivas Marikakis, which is a great name, by the way. It's a spectacular name for a spectacular uh, gospel commentator in recent days. Writes of the preaching of John as the preaching of the Messiah who comes as fire. The Messiah who comes as a burning flame that purifies everything that can withstand him, everything that is holy, and burns away everything that is not. And he says, this is the inheritance of the Christian. He's quoting Gregory Nazianzus, who said that the Christian is an inheritor of fire. He says that while John proclaims a baptism of water, the Christian who meets this Messiah who is coming, who meets this Christ, who vindicates all that is good and puts down all that is evil, comes up from their baptism not with water in their veins, but with fire in their veins and in their heart. And this divine judgment is a great purification by fire. 
that brings out all the shine and the gold and silver of souls conformed to God, that burns away the dross, and that destroys everything that is not suited to God's fire, all that is evil. It's a powerful, powerful constellation of things for which we long during Advent and which John proclaims to us. It's a mighty message. And yet, and yet, we have another image that contrasts it. In our intro, what do we ask? Drop down dew, ye heavens. Let the clouds rain down the just one. Let the earth be opened and bud forth a savior. While John speaks with a trumpet's voice, and we beg God to rouse himself in mighty power to come and remake the world, so we also ask and know that Christ the just one descends from heavens from the heavens like dew. We sing in our hymns about Christmas night that in the middle of the winter, when things are half spent and quiet, Christ arrives in the arms of his mother and under the gaze of his foster father in peace and in silence. But that silent coming to us at Christmas, the infant Christ child in the arms of Holy Mary and under the protection of silent Joseph is the divine fire for which we ask. He is already the consuming flame present among his people. It seems paradoxical to us, but it is true that John is right when he calls out in the desert that the time is now. He has arrived. There's one coming after me soon. John is correct when he points out, behold, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire and will set the world ablaze. And yet the one to whom he points is unknown in the eyes of the world, we're told by Isaiah the prophet that there's nothing that would have us look at him. That he goes about silently and humbly. And this mighty divine fire which sweeps through the world, even during his public life, loses his disciples when he teaches something hard. Loses the apostles on the night of the Passion. and spends the last day of his life crucified with only his mother, one of his apostles, and a few of his mother's relatives there to be with him. It seems like a paradox to us. But it is important for us to understand, especially as we draw closer to Christmas and contemplate that scene in the cave at Bethlehem, what exactly divine fire looks like what does it look like, really? We can say that the fire of the Holy Spirit is seen most perfectly in holiness. 
and silent holiness. The day will come at the end of time when the Lord will show himself in power and might more like we understand it. When he will assert his reign over the entire earth, that day will come. But just because it has not come yet does not mean that the same divine power is not already at work and alive. We know this. That same divine power is already present among us. Has been present among us from the moment that Gabriel spoke to Mary and she accepted God's plan and conceived the word made flesh within her. All the way up until this moment when the word is enfleshed in our tabernacle and will show himself to us at Holy Mass today. It's the same divine power. The same fire that will consume all that is evil and leave it nothing and will purify all that is good so that it shines too bright to look on with, norm- with, with, with unassisted eyes. That's already present. It's already present. It is our task to understand it and to let it take root within our souls. So we can turn and contemplate the Holy Family and look for that divine fire within them. Where in the Holy Family can we see that God has already stirred up his mighty power and come to work? Again, we see it in their holiness. We see it in the fact that Mary is already called full of grace by the angel, that in her the work of sanctification has already been achieved and completed so that she can be a true and pure vessel for the Lord Jesus. We see it in every word of hers, which are full of faith, which are full of love for God's will, not just acceptance and resignation to God's will, but real love for God's will. She delights in God's will. She takes great joy in everything that proceeds from his mind, no matter how difficult it may be, or no matter what corollaries it may have. Such that when Elizabeth speaks to her and says, blessed are you among women, blessed are you who believed that what the Lord said to you would take place, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That Mary's soul automatically responds with speaking of the great things of the mind of God and the great work that he is about. Her soul immediately, without hesitation, without tiring, leaps into praise and thanksgiving of God. She's like a good wick that catches flame the moment it touches. We have St. Joseph who is similar. We see it in the way he responds to the Lord speaking to him through the angel. Joseph is, is so ready, is so perfectly in tune with that which God desires. His heart is so free of obstacles to God that he can recognize even in his dreams, I am being spoken to by the Lord Almighty and I will follow his word immediately. Again, with delight and without hesitation. We know as we think of of the Christmas story and Joseph's role in it, 
Perhaps my favorite moment is the moment when Joseph initially decides to divorce Mary quietly, which seems like an odd favorite moment, but the the ancient tradition, spoken of by many of the church fathers and understood by the early Christians, is that when Joseph decides to divorce Mary quietly, it's not because he suspects her. It's not because he thinks that she has sinned or done wrong in conceiving the Christ child. But the fathers will say that Joseph, who himself is truly just and truly righteous and places no obstacles to God, when he understands that Mary has conceived, knowing who she is and understanding who she is, he realizes this must be of God. This is a revelation of the mighty power of God. And as a just and righteous man, he says, I have not been invited into this. It is not right for me to stay close to something so holy when I have not been given explicit command to. Like someone who takes off their shoes before the burning bush or knows not to enter the sanctuary of the temple because it is too great a thing for him. So also the early Christians believe St. Joseph, when he found that Mary was pregnant with the Christ child, said, I am not good enough for this. This is a sanctuary that I must not enter. This is a holy place before which I must take off my shoes in humility. And as soon as he says this in his heart, the angel comes to him and says, No, the Lord does invite you into this. Unworthy though you are, the Lord invites you to care for his new Ark of the Covenant. Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. And so he does. We will never see a couple so holy as them the rest of time. But we can imitate this in our life and our preparation for Christmas, but also in our reception of all the sacraments. We can imitate these virtues with, not with ease, but it's very possible, certainly by grace. We can ask the Lord, Lord, help me not only to accept your will, help me not only to resign myself to your will, but to ask for it and delight in it and say, Lord, I understand that you are true and good and perfect love and everything that you do is good and you bring good out of all things, no matter how frightening or difficult they may be. And because I choose to trust in your goodness, I will embrace your will. I will not merely accept it, but I will thank you for it, even if I don't understand it. In such a way, we imitate our Blessed Mother who accepts and praises the will of God all the way to the cross and to the resurrection. We can imitate St. Joseph's great sense of humility in the presence of God in the way we receive the sacraments. That just as Joseph did not rush into taking Mary into his home, especially once he realized what she carried within her and who she was, that he did not rush into this saying he has some right to take her as wife, but with humility waits for God to invite him. We can ask ourselves, how do I approach Holy Mass, for example? Do I approach Holy Mass with the same humility? saying, I know I have not deserved to see this. I know I have not deserved to see the Holy Eucharist, to consume it. 
There's nothing on earth that I could do to earn my place around the altar of God. And yet the Lord has called me here to be near him every Sunday, to receive him, to receive him even daily. And because the Lord has called me with honest humility, trembling that I have been allowed something so great, I will faithfully be here and care for the holy sacrifice. Is this how we approach holy confession? That I know I'm, I, I have not done anything on earth to earn my chance at forgiveness. That I could not have deserved the opportunity to confess my sins. And yet the Lord invites me to do so and calls me to do so. So with humility and gratitude, I will faithfully confess my sins and come before the Lord with real repentance in my heart. These things are the divine fire that even now burns away that which is evil and purifies that which is good. And everywhere these virtues take root, everywhere this fidelity to God and love for everything that is his takes root, that fire burns more brightly. It already burns among us. The prayer we asked at the beginning of Mass has already been answered, is answered today, and one day will be answered openly at the end of time. But if we accustom ourselves to the wonderful heat of this holy flame now, then on the day when it is shown to all, we will already recognize the feeling of it and welcome it with joy as we do Christ when he comes to us at Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.